You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 130, Oh Sleeper. Oh my god, Oh Sleeper! Hosted by Dan Terry. You guys want to have some pork steaks with me? And Joseph Wren. All night long, depending on who's asking. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And when your son of the morning meets your fire dawn, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. Joe, it's O Sleeper Week. An entire week of O Sleeper? They finally did it, dude. They finally put out that fourth album, and that qualifies them for an episode of Discography Discussion. I thought the number was three. It is, but I just wanted another O Sleeper album, and I got it. Before I wanted to talk about this band and all the great things that they have done, I just felt like we needed a fourth O Sleeper album. Had to wait eight years to get it, but now we have it. When's the first time you heard O Sleeper? Some point in 2009 when Dan Terry was driving the car. That was probably accurate. Oh, thanks for asking, Joe. When's the first time I heard O Sleeper? Well, that's interesting. Back in the day, I used to be on a message board called Firestream.net. And this is right when O Sleeper's 2007 album, When I Am God, dropped. And we called it O Sleeper Day, where everybody would go on that message board. And the only thing that we would type for days and days and days was OMG. Oh Sleeper. It was a phenomenon. When I Am God was a fantastic album by Oh Sleeper. Might be my favorite, although their new album, Bloodied Unbowed, might be taking its place sometime. I need to spend more time with it. So what is Oh Sleeper then? Is it hardcore? Is it metalcore? Is it pre-degent? Well, it's pre-gent, yeah. It's not like that at all. I guess I would just call them general metalcore if that's a term. I don't really want to get into it. General metalcore reporting for duty. <laughs> I don't even want to call it that, though. They, they just play a really intense mixture of, of hard rock and, and metal, and it sounds really fucking good. And that's, that's, that's all I got to say about that, but I'm going to say even more. Great mix of hardcore screaming with some very nice, melodic, clean vocals. The band just has it all. Well, before Dan takes the next hour and a half to say more, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. And the reason we love them is because they help us get noticed. Not because it makes me feel better, although it does make me feel better. Leave us a review. We'll read it on the show. It'll be a great time for everyone involved. We had a comment on episode 126, Apocalyptica. Nina F., may have answered the question, does Apocalyptica still play their instrumental covers live as instrumental? During the Shadowmaker tour with Frankie Perez, covers still instrumental. Frankie sometimes left stage for two or three songs. The next album will be 100% instrumental. Can't wait. Instrumental. I definitely agree. I asked if they were still playing their classic covers, and they went on to say, yes, the set list always has some cover, Inquisition Symphony, Seek and Destroy, etc. 
They had an anniversary tour during the last year for the first album, Apocalyptica Plays Metallica by Four Cellos. They played the entire album, plus the bonus tracks like Orion or Battery and more. A show with only Metallica covers and instrumental only. A DVD and live CD from the tour is available. Thank you for telling me how I'm going to spend my next 20 bucks. You're going to spend $20 on a record? I spent more to import Cult. I don't want to talk about it. All right. I mean, it's fine. We got a comment on episode 55. Judas Priest with James Rolfe of Cinemassacre. Nick the Nerd 27 says, I don't know if you'll see this since it's an old video, but you should do an Iron Maiden show next. Oh, we saw it. And we are definitely working on that for you. So fucking what? So, Dan, tell me more about O Sleeper. O Sleeper is an American band, in case you couldn't tell. They are signed to Solid State Records, and they are from Fort Worth, Texas. They actually started in 2006 and put their first record, When I Am God, out on Solid State in 2007. This was around the time when everybody was going completely gaga over Under Oath's Define the Great Line. One of the issues I had with that record with Under Oath was that I just, I wanted something heavier. Like what Under Oath was doing was cool, but I wanted something that was a little bit more metal focused, a little bit good, more guitar driven, a little bit more noodly. And O Sleeper had that in droves. So I had the, I had the cool guitar work. I had the, the mixture of clean singing provided by Shane Blay. And we had Screaming by Micah Kennard, which was amazing. The dude just has so, Micah that is, has, has so much passion in the way that he screams, yet is completely articulate, which is something that makes him stand out amongst a lot of other heavy metal vocalists. I don't dislike this record as much as I do some of the earlier proto-emo albums. You mentioned that everyone at this time was obsessed with Under Oath. Yes. And was trying to recreate that sound that Norma Jean and The Chariot had arguably been doing better for many years. Well, I think those bands were more chaotic, whereas something like O Sleeper takes kind of that crazy, spazzy metal sound and makes it more digestible, a little bit more catchy, so to speak. So is this an example of the imitators imitating the imitators? I don't think that they're imitating anybody. I think that they play a style of music that's popular, but they definitely did it their own way. And one of the things that I think makes them stand apart from a lot of these other bands is they have a lead guitarist that is just balls out amazing. You don't hear a metal guitarist this good in a band that has kind of that sing-scream dynamic. And I think that really helps O Sleeper stand out from the rest of the pack. They are absolutely heavy, but also like melodic at the same time, which I know maybe sounds like a trope, but I don't think this sounds emo. I don't think this sounds weak or poppy or anything like that. It's all very hardcore and all very serious. Lyrically, it is some of the most cutting and just raw emotional outpour. And you really don't get that a lot with a lot of these bands. The lyrics are more cryptic. I mean, in the first song, Vice is like Vipers. He just flat out screams like, take my lust, your pornos and your sluts take my lust this world's love and like it's like nobody says shit like that except O Sleeper does and they pull it off the clean singing adds another dynamic uh Shane Blay not only is a great guitar player but a really good singer and he compliments he compliments Micah very well and I would say I would say they these two are more powerful together than I think Aaron and Spencer are from Under Oath I don't dislike this album but it runs together for me 
with all of the I wish I was under oath bands. And that is more of an issue with me just not liking that type of popular music in the mid 2000s when everything was trying to be under oath, trying to be that style of emo. My 2019 ears tell me that this is just really solid metalcore, but at the time, I would have thrown this aside with everything else that everyone wanted me to listen to that couldn't be Hope's Fall or Norma Jean. I just don't get where you're getting the emo thing from. The general sound, the way the guitars are working from the left side and the right side, neither one is playing lead or rhythm. They're interchanging that dissonant melody on top of the song that was very popular at the time. It's a general sound. It's not, this sounds like emo. It's just the general consensus, the way that the songs were being written and released at the time, they all had that. I get kind of the melodic metalcore vibe from it, but I don't really get an emo vibe from it at all. I think that Shane is definitely playing lead, especially if you listen to his solos. A lot of bands that play this type of style don't really play solos. I mean, and Shane had, had, done, some, had done some work with Between the Buried and Me, so he had chops, I think, that were above a lot of the bands that you're describing. I think that there was more comp- like more actual musical composition put into these songs than a lot of the bands that you're saying were imitators at the time. I think what you're getting at more is the production quality, the way it's mixed, the way it's recorded, was very much in line with what a lot of bands were doing at the time. Absolutely 100% correct. What I like, too, is with the screaming, you also get a lot of articulate, just kind of more emotional, more emotionally delivered vocals that are like just kind of yelling words and screaming. He doesn't go into a full scream until it gets to the more intense parts of the songs, which means that the vocals were actually written with the songs in mind, which in a lot of hardcore, it's not. We talked about it last week with the Black Dahlia murder. It is not very common for lyrics to be part of the composition and especially in this style of metalcore most of the time the band puts the song together and then the vocalist has to come in and work with what he's given this does not sound like that it doesn't sound like the vocals were an afterthought no and the lyrics are really really raw and i know i said that before but i can't get past it so like the song charlatan's host he's screaming don't give up on me don't give up on me like it's just very raw it's very out there and it lacks all of the toughness of metal, which I love about it. The toughness comes from the comes from the music itself, not the not some kind of super macho I'm gonna beat your ass kind of lyrics. And that this is the kind of this is the kind of heavy music that I enjoy the most because it's very real and it connects with me in a way that a lot of like super brutal bands don't connect with me. So when I am God couldn't have been a better debut album. I mean the guitar solo, like the guitar solos that you hear are very very melodic they're not like you know like face shredding melting solos they're just they're melodic they're part of the song they're an accentuation of the emotion that's going on and i just i think they just did a really fucking great job on this record and like i i don't give out those kind of recommendations lightly i mean i'm usually very critical but there was something about Oh Sleeper that connected with me and 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 will carry on throughout their discography and let me be clear the tropes that I'm complaining about, I was complaining about in 2007. This is above and beyond better than any of the I Wanna Be Under Oath bands. This takes that sound of metalcore and is, can I say honest? 
Yeah. It doesn't sound like they're trying to create a record that sounds like Under Oath or Norma Jean or Hope's Fall. It sounds like they're just writing a record with what they had to work with at the time, and this is what they came up with. It was really interesting in 2009, whenever they put out Son of the Morning, how they immediately jumped into a concept album. And there was a little bit of a concept in When I Am God, but this is just a straight-up concept. They, they, they started off the... They started off the whole idea with the imagery where you'll notice that the logo for this album is and what most people would consider to be the O Sleeper logo now is a inverted star or a pentagram with two of the star points cut off. And the entire point of this album was like the first track, the start of the morning, it kicks off and he's singing from the devil's point of view, which is interesting. And then in the clean vocals, they come in with a chorus that's like, you know, it's like basically the devil in the verses is like basically shit talking on God and, and Jesus and all that stuff. And then uh, the clean vocal comes in and he's just like, if from God's point of view, and he's just like, if you could see like me, you'd see you haven't won anything. If you could see like me, you'd see it's by my grace you're breathing. It's just very straight. Like I've never, I've never heard a band tackle stuff like this lyrically and it not come off like pure cheese. Like they just did it right. They didn't, they didn't like mince words. Shouldn't we be making fun of them for being that literal? No, I don't think so because we're already used to this band being literal like they were on When I Am God. All of those lyrics are pretty literal in their presentation. I mean, there's obviously there's some artistic license applied to, to how they describe things. It's still poetic, but whenever they need to get a point across, they just get it across, which I think is, I, I think that's actually pretty respectable. I mentioned before that the best concept albums appear to be written by one person who has complete control of the story and is able to manipulate the tone. This breaks that rule. This record sounds like the band knew what they were getting into, but they don't fall into any of the concept album tropes. It's not, here's the overture, here's the fast part, here's the slow part. It's just, we are O Sleeper. This is the music that we write. Guys, I got this idea. Keep it in mind while you're writing your stuff, and please don't write any stereotypical bullshit. Let's just make the record. Much more like a Candiria would, or a Between the Buried and Me kinda did with Colors, and less like a Truthless Heroes, which really wasn't a concept album, but the record label insisted that it was. Great album, by the way. Well, and whenever I say concept album, I mean, the only times that I can really follow a real concept of this lyrically is the first song and the last song. Is this more of an idea that you're going into the album knowing what it's about, but you're not sitting there like you're watching a movie or listening to a book on tape? It's, okay, this album, the idea is the devil and God, and that's it. Okay, now let me listen to the album. Well, yeah, I think that it succeeds in, in having that concept, but also providing the O Sleeper that we had on When I Am God. So the concept is the tone, not necessarily the content of the record. Correct. Even though there are a couple of songs where it does bleed into the content of the record. And I'm sorry, I, I know that there's O Sleeper fans that have dissected every single lyric. I haven't as much with this band. I do enjoy their lyrics, but I, I, I know that once we get into the next couple of albums that there's like characters and a story going on. But to be perfectly honest with you, just taking the lyrics as they are, I've had a little bit of trouble following that. 
And I know that there was an EP between Children of Fire and Bloodied Unbowed, so I'm not going to get into all that, and I apologize in advance because I know immediately I'm going to get a comment saying, well, you didn't you didn't talk about this, but I'm just, I'm just kind of putting a blanket over it and saying, yes, I know that it exists, but I don't know enough about it to talk about it. The weird thing about Son of the Morning is that even though I still feel like When I Am God is my favorite album by O Sleeper, Son of the Morning has some of my favorite O Sleeper songs on it. That I mean, they're they're just they're unstoppable. Uh, most notable songs being the title track "Son of the Morning," and then also "World Without a Sun" is incredible. "A Banquet for Traitors," and my personal favorite O Sleeper song of all time, "The Fire Dawn." And the reason I like "The Fire Dawn" is because it reminds me of my favorite video game of all time, Doom. There is a lyric in this, there, there's a line in here where he says, I'll stand, you'll see me over all your fallen. I'll be knee deep in a sea of their organs. So bring me all of hell and I'll face them. I'll face them one on one thousand. If that's not a song about the Doom Slayer, I don't know what is. Was he called the Doom Slayer in 2009? No, in 2009, he would have just been called Doom Guy. Still applies. And that's all that I need. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm taking a little bit of artistic license with this one. This is what I've just decided the song's about, and I know that it probably isn't actually about that, but, I mean, it, it fits so fucking well. The very first episode of Doom that you play in the 1993 game is literally called Knee Deep in the Dead. I mean, send me all of hell and I'll face them one-on-one -on -one thousand, a video game where you're literally killing thousands of enemies at a time, and it's just you alone on a moon base. Holy shit. They, they, they nailed it. They, they, hit, they hit a side of me that I was not expecting, and that, is, that has remained probably my favorite O Sleeper song of all time. They could win me over with something else soon, but to combine my favorite video game with those lyrics, oh my god, they did it, and I don't even know if that's what their intention was. A Banquet for Traitors is also incredible. Those songs being together, they're just like a perfect pair. I, I, I'm the kind of person that would put those two albums first if I was making a playlist out of the album. If I had to resequence it, I would put those two songs first. I love the final track where he basically, it's back to the concept of Son of the Morning, where it's him and God arguing with each other. And it's all in God, from God's point of view. And at the end of it, he screams, I'll cut off your horns. I'll cut off your horns. And then you're like, oh, I get it. <laughs> that's what the that's what the pentagram with the points missing is. Much to the chagrin of most like parents whose whose kids listen to O Sleeper, they're like, why is he walking around with that pentagram? And it's like, no, mom, there's a whole there's a whole concept behind this. And your mom's probably like, yeah, I don't care. The album's going to the trash. It's not even a real pentagram. It's, it's not. missing two of the feet. It's missing its horns, man. <laughs> if you've ever seen the cover of a Slayer album, we all know a fucking goat's head goes on there. The horns are missing, like straight up. Do you get it, mom and dad? Yeah, that that song is just incredible, and and I just this has some of my favorite O Sleeper songs ever. But for some reason, I still like When I Am God just a little bit more. Like I like it like three percent better than I like Son of the Morning. 2011, Children of Fire. Hey Joe. Yes, Dan. Can you say banger after banger after banger? 
banger after banger after banger. That's Children of Fire. What else is there to talk about? Oh Sleeper's back in 2011. It's really not that long of a gap. It's two years. Pretty standard. But this is beefier than the previous two releases. This is a heavier, more pissed off O Sleeper. And I know why, because from what I understand, I listened to a recent interview with Micah, and they were going through some shit during this. This was uh, this, this was kind of the, one of the harder, more hardcore parts of, of their lives, and it, it definitely shows in every aspect of this record. This is heavier, louder, screamier, but just as intense as anything else. The guitar work is incredible and really holds a lot of it together. They, they almost rely more on straight guitar melodies on this album than they necessarily do clean vocals, although they are there. I'm thankful that in 2011, DJ was not a thing yet. So the breakdown that is the foundation of most metalcore releases is still being used. The drums and the guitars are still doubling up, reinforcing the beef. I want to place the blame on Zeo personally for where blood and fire bring rest. The Lies of Serpents, A River of Tears, Open Sea, Chug, all of the bands that I like and dislike from the early to mid 2000s ripped that off. It was a staple of metalcore, it was a staple of emo, and unfortunately at the time, those bands got lumped together for me, and I missed a lot of this. Oh Sleeper was one of the bands I wish I hadn't missed, because it's the same melodies and guitar style that I like from Zeo, the over-the-top use of melody with hardcore that Hope's Fall was using, and the Norma Jean influence cannot be denied. So for me personally, it's unfortunate that Under Oath bittered me a little bit about this style, because this is far and above better than anything that I would label as emo directly. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> What actual emo is and what the general populace decided it was in the early to mid-2000s are not the same thing, and I am fully aware of that. I just, I just don't hear it in either. I don't hear either one of the definitions in this. I think this is just a band that perfectly balances melody and heaviness. And on this record, they went more for the throat. They went more on the heavy side. And I can't complain about that, being a meathead metal fan. Uh, I love how intense this record is. This is, this is my, like, this is my pissed-off record. This is, this is the O Sleeper album I go into when I don't necessarily want to feel good when I'm at the end of it. It's just so so visceral at times, yet still absolutely melodic. I mean, some of, some of his vocals are so intense that they just, like, it sounds like he's having a total meltdown. Isn't that what you want? Totally. From a metalcore album in 2011, I want it to sound like a mental breakdown. Yeah. And that's what it sounds like. I mean, he just goes on, he just goes on like a madman. I can't complain about that at all. Children of Fire is all, uh, damn near close to a perfect record if you're into heavy shit. By definition, what is the most chaotic style of metal? Would it be grindcore? Yeah, if you want to consider grindcore metal, sure. What is a mental breakdown supposed to sound like? It's not necessarily chaotic, although it can be chaotic. I would say unscripted vocal outbursts. Is, is really what was really what it sounds like and when I say unscripted it just sounds like you're recording the song in the booth and you just get so into what you're saying that you deliver it in such a way that's not necessarily musical you're just you're just vomiting out how you feel in that moment so Jonathan Davis on the second half of daddy kind of like that without all the crying this is why I'm not a fan of grindcore in general it's 
chaotic for the sake of being random and insane. Whereas this taps into the actual emotion that the singer is trying to convey. And it goes somewhere that I, as the listener, am not prepared to receive. And once I'm in the middle of it, I can't look away. I want to see what happens, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, now now it's not as smooth as it was before. Before, it was all delivered very smoothly. I talked earlier about him being super articulate in the vocal delivery. He's still very articulate. He, he still enunciates. But this is more scream, less pronunciation. And that's where I get kind of the more emotional, visceral feel from it, where it's just go for the throat. A little more glass jaw on this one. Yeah. And uh, and that was kind of it for O Sleeper. They, they put an EP out a couple years later that was more or less supposed to be crowdfunded. And I have not, I've actually not listened to that. Uh, I probably should, but I, I just, I don't know. I listen to so many fucking bands, you know, like <laughs> it, it's hard. It's hard to keep up and I, I'm weird about EPs anyway. But uh, it took a long time. Uh, so in between Children of Fire and Bloodied Unbowed, uh, you know, we, we've covered this in, 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 in excruciating detail at this point. But, uh, you know, we all know what happened with Asley Dying and Tim Lambesis and all that. But uh, basically the guys from Asley Dying formed a new band called Woven War, and they hired Shane Blay as their lead singer which really kind of put the brakes on O Sleeper, which was the band that I think he was most known for. And so he went and, and toured as, uh, as Woven War. So we really didn't hear anything out of the O Sleeper camp for, for a number of years. It's, it's eight years, actually, if you, if you want to know what that number is. And to be honest with you, whenever this record dropped, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, I, didn't even, I wasn't even expecting it. I just kind of thought O Sleeper was this band that put out three badass albums back in the 2000s, and that was it. Turns out, though, that they have uh, some stuff to get off their chest, and that's how you end up with 2019's Bloodied Unbowed. 2019 might be the year, and I'm going to throw the tail end of 2018 in there for my sake, the year that hardcore and metalcore bands not only decided to make new albums, but you had your hopes fall come back from the dead, seemingly from the dead, and everybody kind of slowed down. Everybody kind of backed off on the throttle a bit and set a tone by changing the pace of what I would say is the same music they were making 10 years ago. But now instead of just going over the top and being fast, they've learned to pace themselves, which paces the listener, if that makes sense. No, I think it makes sense for sure. This is them getting back into the mindset of what it's like to sit down and, and write and record an O Sleeper album. They're back in the pocket, so to speak. And they're one of those bands where we didn't get to hear the out-of-the-pocket stuff, which I'm kind of really happy about. I, I don't want to hear what kind of weird musical directions they may or may not have gone off in after this. So this feels like a return record just because it's eight years after the last record. But, I mean, they, they pick up pretty well, I think, from, from where they were at on Children of Fire. This record's not as visceral. It's not as heavy as Children of Fire. It's a little bit more subdued, but that's good. Like, I think that they, you know, like I said, I, I think the first three albums are are, are just all bangers. Like, it, it, it never stops. This record's a little bit more refined in that regard. They have all the great songwriting perks that they had before. You know, you've got, you've got the fun guitar, you've got the fun lead guitar work. You've got the mix of clean and screamed vocals, but you have songs that are, and I hate to use this term, but a little bit more musically mature than maybe whenever they were younger putting out records. 
this just sounds like they spent a lot of time on it and i haven't spent as much time with this record as i have the other three obviously but from 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 the few times i've listened to it cover to cover i think that it fits really well in their catalog but i part of me kind of feels like they were on an upward trajectory with you know with i am god or when i am god son of the morning and then and the heaviness that they achieved on children of fire I don't know if I was expecting to get that heaviness again or if I thought the band was going to go harder than they than they did, but they kind of they kind of went back to basics a little bit, which is a really generic thing to say uh, about a band. You know, everybody's, oh, let's get back to basics or whatever. But th- this really is a, a literal interpretation of that. Like, th- this is O-Sleeper giving the fans what they want. We're not necessarily bogged down by a huge concept. And like I said... If there is a story and characters going on here, I apologize. I just I can't pick up on that right now, or and so I'm not, I'm kind of leaving that out of the discussion. But uh, I think that I think that lyrically and musically they're they're doing everything on this record that we love for most sleeper, but they have aged as musicians, and so you get a little bit more experimentation. The songs don't exactly fit a cookie cutter formula anymore, and the band kind of lets the music breathe instead of it necessarily being all about the vocals, because I kind of feel like on the first three records, it was kind of all about the vocals. Like you had excellent lead guitar work and the drumming was incredible on some of those older records. But this is this is the band like completing a thought. And so it doesn't necessarily matter how long the song is. It doesn't matter, you know, how many different directions they go in with it. The songs just breathe, like they musically breathe. And uh, I can't ask for more. I think this is incredible. I don't. I don't think this band's ever put out a bad album. I don't know what visual I'm more fond of. This is like listening to Oh God, The Aftermath and then listening to Polar Similar. For the motorcycle fans out there, this is like your lead singer showed up on the most ridiculous, souped-up 500cc crotch rocket that you've ever seen, trying to be as loud and as high-pitched and as fast as he can right off the line. But then 10 years later, he comes back and he's got this badass Harley. He knows he can win the race, but you got to watch him accelerate. It's like Chad Kent showed up in an F-150 and said, I thought we were drag racing. Got to give you credit, Joe. That's the most unique analogy I've ever heard. <laughs> for, I'm doing my best over here to write new material, if you know. For, for a band on this podcast. I mean, I understand 100% where you're coming from, although I don't understand because I don't know shit about, about bikes. Uh, I rode a bike when I was a kid. That's about as much as I know. It wasn't motorized. It was a, a pedal bike. So I'm going to leave that alone. But for all you motorcycle enthusiasts out there, now you get it. Final thoughts on O Sleeper. O Sleeper's an incredible band. Like, turn this podcast off and go listen to O Sleeper. I'm a fan of O Sleeper, and I apologize to you, Dan, for lumping them in with bands that were inferior in style, theme, expression. O Sleeper plays metalcore the way it should be played. They do not imitate or duplicate. They're a band that just plays metalcore alongside their peers. Megadeth does not imitate Metallica, but the members of those bands were in the same area playing the same style and at some point in history both released albums that sounded like thrash metal put O sleeper up next to norma jean any day of the week it's not the same but you know you like it well i appreciate the apology joe that's it's going to be a little awkward though because i've already slashed your tires so not sure where that leaves us um i'm gonna go ahead and say dan what's your album of the week 
<laughs> my album of the week is uh, Arbiter by Hope's Fall. Those guys are recording a new album right now, so I'm trying to get prepped up and get back in the mindset. It would not have been possible for me to get through this week without comparing some of these records to Norma Jean, so my album of the week is Polar Similar, because you should be listening to Polar Similar. If you've ever been wondering how you can reach out to us or talk to us instead of just listening to us talk to you, that's got to get exhausting, right? Well, guess what? There's lots of ways you can reach out to us. One of the ways is on Discord. We have our own Discord server. There's a link in our show notes. You can click on it and chat with us in real time. Unless it's like 4 o'clock in the morning, then I don't know. Somebody might respond to you, but probably not until we wake up. We are in the U.S., so give us a little bit of leeway on that stuff. But, you know, you can also reach out to us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash discography discussion. We have our own Facebook group there that you can join. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. You can reach out to me and Joe at Discuss Metal Dan and Discuss Metal Joe, respectively. Or you can send us an old-fashioned email at show at gmail.com. Just tell us how you feel about the show, what, you, what you've got going on with you, what band you like, and uh, band recommendations. A lot of the bands we talk about on this show have been listener recommendations, so we always appreciate those, and we will put them on the list as you suggest them. And on that note, this has been Episode 130 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please, send questions and comments to show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Money good! Right.